My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to episode 51 of the Rise Productive Podcast. My name is Dimitri. And my name is Chance. And we're going to talk about digital minimalism. By Cal Newport. Making... Um, more with less digital stuff. Yeah. Is that, is that, I don't actually know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if it had a longer name that, that, you know, like books do that sometimes. <laughs> oh, like the, the second title, like a subtitle kind of thing. Yeah. Like Tim Ferriss's the four hour work week, how <laughs> to escape the nine, how to escape the nine to five and whatever. Like it's, it's like, it's the four hour work week. It's not whatever. That. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like the minimalism way to have a subtitle though. Actually, you know what? You're very right. I don't think, um, any of the minimalists themselves, like they're, you know, those two guys, Ryan Nicodemus and uh, um, Joshua Field Milburn. I don't think any of their books are long named. <laughs> I just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the mold. No, it doesn't. Um, how you doing, man? Doing good. Got the fresh haircut. Feeling good. Um, I don't know. I got to cut partially because it was going to be so hot this summer, but I don't know. It's a, it's a little chilly here in Chicago today, so. Yeah, I'm, my post May 14th theory uh, has had a two-day stint of saying, "Haha, you've <laughs> spoken into existence on the internet, so now we're gonna make you look dumb." Yeah, you're you're making me look dumb now. My neck is cold. Thank you a lot. <laughs> God, you know, I, it's funny you say that thing about the summer, but like last summer, what, was it not hot or what? We you didn't have AC here. <laughs> no, we didn't, and it was miserable. But the the mullet was too new. I was like, I can't get rid of it yet. Yeah tough it out but i don't know it had its 15 month run and it was time to you know toss it in it's crazy because i remember when you we were like i mean we had known each other for a little while but like we finally like hung out more because we you know practice what's that friendship thing the proximity what is that how does it work oh yeah friends of proximity yeah. yeah like that that's that's where we we went for a bit which like forced us into seeing each other more obviously because living together that's how that works and i just looked at him and i was like is this gonna be like who is this kid like mullet kid i didn't because before you're like clean cut like get the whole nice hair cut going and, and <laughs> yeah. then sh- show up in the summer and like two months like fourth of july that's a good point. You did move in when I was in my grimiest phase. I had the the mullet and I was probably always sweating in the apartment. And you were working two jobs that were manual labor jobs. So like you and you ran all the time and biked to and from the job. So you were just, you were grimy, bro. Yeah. And I had some nasty facial hair just whenever I wanted. But how are you? I'm doing well. Um, you know, I'm happy now that my, my co-host um, looks the way he looks i'm um, <laughs> just kidding no but I, i'm i'm doing well like we got to move out soon and i've been cleaning a lot around here i kind of like on or you know the the first part of the move where you get like the empty apartment and everything this it's, i don't know there's something satisfying about it all being empty but when i gotta unpack at the new place and rethink my whole organization system that's gonna be a headache you know it's i i'm i mean if you had to guess i i'm inverted on this I was going to say, I feel like tearing things down is my thing and building them back up in a nice organized system is yours. Well, I would, I, trust me, man. Like <laughs> even just moving into this apartment, figuring out like where my keys were always going to sit or in like my, my wallet. Cause I'm, I'm a freak like that. Like I have this m- rule for myself that you have to put something in the same place every time. 
Really? And it's it's main it's it's not actually a compulsion or anything like that because I don't actually get anxiety when I don't. Yeah, sure. It's but it's an intentional like I'm not going to lose this. No, that's smart because I have like four different places to where my keys can go in my room and whenever I look for them, I swear it's not in the first three spots I check. Yeah, and that's the rough part. So like I usually had my running watch always be in the same spot, right? So I forgot my watch going to conference <laughs> and like I have this anxiety or not anxiety. I had a, I'm very superstitious with sports. Yeah. Like I'm the kind of guy who wore the same cub shirt every game throughout their world series run. Mm-hmm. Didn't wash it by the way. Brody. <laughs> that's gross. Gross. I mean, there's a lot of baseball games leading up to that. Just in case yeah. anyone forgot, that's it's like five. I mean, I'm trying to think of how many series they had five in the they had five in the first series. They had they took six games to get to the World Series. Eleven, and then they won in seven, so eighteen games. That's gross. That's gross. Yeah, that's Is, me. Final question: Do the napkins have specific places where they have to go? Look. They go anywhere in the apartment. Uh, yeah, you're right. No, it's, it's just like whatever's convenient for like, I have sitting spots. Like, sure. you notice like uh, at my desk though, it's behind there and the kitchen, it's right where I'm sitting. Like it's just mainly where I'm sitting. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know, Dimitri is dependent on having a, a napkin on hand at all times. If I don't have a napkin, it's not a good time. It's weird. I, I'm just saying I blow my nose. I feel like more often than anyone here, when you have a schnoz this big, it's just like, more pollen gets in there and bigger airways. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I like self-deprecating uh, nose jokes. Um, but yeah, no, I forgot my watch going to conference, man. Mm-hmm. And ever since sophomore year, I, I had like, I popped off when I wore my watch during my race. And I'm like, okay, it's superstition now. So that's where the Cubs hat wearing and the watch wearing came from. So you're doing better with less. When I what? You said you went to conference without your watch. Oh, dude. And you I, ran better. I ran pretty, yeah, I ran pretty, and I had, a, I had a good weekend. But I will say, I borrowed Alan's watch. Ah, I see. So, like. <laughs> but it still kind of sounds like you did better with less. Yeah, it was, I told, I joked with <laughs> you and with someone else, um, the big ESP, I joked with him about, um, yeah, like, you know, maybe this is what I need to disconnect to just run real fast. And yeah. uh, maybe it worked out. Um, yeah, but that that's me. I'm excited to like change my scenery, but I would I would be I would be lying if I didn't say I will I will miss the 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 boys vibe. Oh, yeah. I'm 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 not quite ready to say goodbye. So oh no oh, no you're stuck with me. It's fine. It's see you later. Yeah, it. yeah see it's not goodbye. It's see you later. And you know what you do have to say later too, if you listen to the the principles of this book, when you read the book, Digital Minimalism, you learn that you should get rid of some digital things in your life. You really should. It's crazy. I don't know. Digital Minimalism, good title, but it was really catered towards us living a good life in general in a digital world. Initial thoughts on the book. Chance go. I liked it. I think that this is something that we talked about earlier and I think that is very catered towards the male audience because all of his examples and every one of his, yeah. you know, philosophers that he brings up is a male. But um, he just seems like a, I don't know, when I picture Cal Newport, I picture a guy who gets really ecstatic about like building like a, a back porch or like you know, <laughs> some handiwork. He just seems like that kind of guy. Have you, do you know what he looks like? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was about to say, I think you're... No, he fit guessing, the bill. Yeah, he fit the bill, yeah. <laughs> but I liked it. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me was definitely the part on solitude, which mm-hmm. we can get into more, but that's kind of my first point is how it is about how to optimize your relationship with technology, but it's also about moving outside of technology in a lot of sense. Yeah, it was cool. I think um, it was a different tone shift from the last book. <laughs> From incredibly brash and pretentious to, I don't know what his tone would be. I don't know. So you, I, I would, I would do this. Um, you know that like cool, nice uncle you have. Mm-hmm. That was Cal Newport. Yeah, he's I got like good was, nuggets all the time, but he's never too pushy about it. Yeah, he's very pragmatic, and he's not, you know, trying to sell you on anything. He's just saying like, here are my, here are the facts. Yeah, and then like Tim Ferriss. I mean, to all his credit, is a wonderful um, and successful businessman, but he's the uncle with the Ferrari. Yeah. Or he, with a nice car, you know? Yeah. I put him closer to Gary V on my mind. I was it's doing like, that, but yeah, we're going to talk about probably hustle culture in a future episode. So, but yeah. To me, I don't know. That aggressive style doesn't always sell it for me. It just seems kind of superficial at times. And like, I feel why he's so dogmatic because I kind of like sometimes do that. But I, I try to do it more tasteful. I don't know. I just I feel like at times it wasn't tasteful. In this book? In Tim Ferriss's book. Yeah. Like at times he's just not as tasteful about it. Yeah, I would agree with that. But on the, on the flip side, I think Newport is very tasteful. It's not... He doesn't build himself up in order to build his arguments up. He builds up other people a lot, actually. Yeah, exactly. He's always bringing in examples. And a lot of Thoreau. A lot of philosophers in general, honestly. Yeah, man. That was interesting. What'd you, what, how do you feel about that? I liked it a lot. I think um, the big thing on walking where he mentioned like Nietzsche. And I was just like, man. Yeah. Nietzsche always talking about his, you know, if, you're health, if you have a healthy body, you have a healthy philosophy. And just talking about walking for eight hours a day. I was like, wow, that is... That's textbook Nietzsche. That is. And I mean, that kind of goes back to like how he had the loss of health for a little bit of time before he refound his health. Yeah. He had some kind of midlife health crisis that he retreated to like some house in the German Hills and he did a lot of his walking there. And then after he got over that sickness, he wrote a lot of his books about overcoming sickness and in the same sense, overcoming dogmatic philosophy. Hmm. it's interesting it is interesting i think um i I enjoyed learning a little bit about walden i feel like this was like a there was a chapter in there that almost felt like a a walden biography like if walden was a person it was like a it was a it was a synopsis of Mm -hmm. of walden and i thought that was interesting how he he utilized that emphasis on solitude towards it was kind of this nice this this nice setup to explaining you know people don't have it right now and digital minimalism is something that can help you get back to that. Yeah. I think it was interesting how he, in that section where he's basically just giving you a summary of Walden, he's basically doing a summary of economy, which is the first chapter in Walden. And a big part of that chapter, which is really out of place for a literature slash philosophy work is that he's doing a lot of economics. Like he's telling you, he's breaking down exactly what he did for every purchase and it's not to flex how little money that Thoreau spent sitting in somebody's backyard for two years alone. It was mm, to make yeah. a point of how meaningful and, you know, calculated he was in 
finding a space where he can be alone and be more intentional about his life. And I think that that parallels very nicely with what Newport's driving point is with technology. Yeah, that's very true. I think, um, I think one of my favorite parts of the, about this, this book was, um, obviously like I'm a minimalist and the whole thing was great, but it was interesting how he managed to, um, really connect a lot of, a, a lot of modern issues and like articulate them so well, and then give pretty solid examples as to how you can, and, and pretty solid practices of how you can get to get back to that solitude, get back to that centering of yourself. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how it's all about, I don't know, working to use technology. Like I think with a lot of people with digital minimalism, it's just saying like you need to push all technology aside. And then there's that county argument from the digital, digital optimization guy mm-hmm. where it was just a, I think in my opinion, a fundamental misunderstanding of Newport's argument because a lot of people look at this and just say it's pushing aside all technology and then finding solitude. No, it's, it's task batching so that you only have calls during a certain period of time. It's finding the, the good nuggets of utility within certain apps and then just finding no utility in other apps in order to basically just minimize that time of your life, those distractions and such to create good periods of solitude or the other thing I liked a lot was how he talked about we need to find better leisure. Oh yeah, I agree. Doing more uh, analog activities like building a back porch. <laughs> or reading books or, or whatever it was. And, and you know, it was really great. Um, and I feel like if a parent read this book or if all parents read this book, man, we'd have a lot more engaged parents now. Oh yeah. I think this would be a great lesson to instill into your kids. It's yeah. So that's true. As well as I remember he, he made that like, uh, he referenced, um, I think it was someone in the business world that who, who had been impacted by digital minimalism and was so grateful to it because he had now had a better um, time with his kids because he, he stopped being that father who was always checking the news. I'm, I think he was referencing, I'm trying to remember who he was referencing, but he was referencing a dad who essentially had found digital minimalism, had taken it, had utilized it, and went from being that guy who was always on his phone and say like there's kids in a park. If you really look at it nowadays, a lot of parents are just unfortunately on their phones. Yeah, I mean they're they're on their phones scrolling through, you know, Facebook, looking at other people's kids while their kids are playing at the park or they interact with their kids and they got to take a million photos of them, which they then put on Facebook. It's just it's just sad how interwoven that connection has become. And it's you know it's really difficult and he articulated this well too. If you are going to try to preach to this generation that it's important to be off your phone. It's important to be engaged in social environments. Well, at the same time, when you're supposed to be spending time with your kids, doing the exact opposite. I mean, this the guy realized, like, dang, like, I'm. I mean, it's impossible to t- like. It's do as I say, not as I do stuff, which yeah. no child ever likes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just gonna pick up their iPad and do exactly what Daddy does, right? Exactly, and it's like it's not a good lesson to teach your kids, and at the same time, for the adult, I mean, let's not act like <laughs> those last um. 30, 40 years of your life aren't aren't meaningful. Like those adults like will have a better life if they also instill the practices too. Yeah, that's a very good point. Even outside of their kids, they would, yeah. Your life isn't over just because you have kids. Well, debatable. Uh, No, but like it's, it's really good that he did, did break that down. Um, I I liked, uh, 
I feel like the, the first part, I, by the way, for, for book reviews, we're kind of going to do it in this format. Um, initial thoughts, positives. We're going to go through a lot of the parts of the book, positives, all that stuff. Then some critiques and then final rating. And we're going to have like a, an ongoing list. Oh, yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Um, and we'll kind of like, for the first one, we're just, just going to basically say whether we think we liked it more than for our work week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we'll get a real list to go. And I'll, I'll put it in Notion somewhere on our Google Doc. You, you announced that to everyone as if I didn't know what the agenda was. I think I know what the agenda was, but I didn't know about the list. That'll be fun. Oh, um, did you wait? Did, did you think I was telling you how we we're going to do this? <laughs> no, you were saying it to everyone. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that sounds like a good plan. But <laughs> <laughs> as if I was hearing this for the first time. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Um, but yeah, no, uh, going further with like the positive stuff um, and kind of comparing um with with other things i've seen so i'm personally doing a, a sort of digital detox at the moment mm-hmm. and a big component of this book is digital detox you should take like a month i think was that yeah yeah take a month kind of get rid of all non-necessary uh digital aspects of your life so whether that be facebook instagram whatever it is uh you are allowed to have phone calls you know you're allowed to have whatever is nece- necessary so something along the lines of bordering necessary to someone who would ask cow would be like oh well i keep in touch with a friend through like facebook messenger or something he'd be like no call them call them like when i think of what is necessary there's a part late in the book where he talks about that nifty little invention where it's like the white phone or something like that mm. where you connect basically like it's like a, a bluetooth device but it's an analog phone that connects to your iphone and you can turn it on take that out with you and the only thing this thing will do is call and maybe you could do like a button text with like the nine little you know number digits Mm -hmm. but um when i think of the detox i think of that like imagine if you only had like a flip phone you can't do basically anything else and i think that's really important because if you don't take the detox first it seems like you're not gonna have a quick process with weaning off technologies i mean as soon as like for example, I'll, I know people and myself included who will go through and say, I need to delete people like off Instagram and they start mm. going through and you start unfollowing people to be more intentional about your Instagram usage. The next thing you know, you're just scrolling through the people that really are don't left. mean much to you yeah. or, or the people that are left. But either way, it's just you haven't found the utility in it yet. You just, you know, maybe weeded out a little bit of the worst. Yeah, and I think a good thing that that the digital detox does is he says then afterwards the goal is let's find what you actually really, you know, find meaning in. And I think this is where the the definition of minimalism, once again, I feel like I, I do this all the time, but to those who, who don't don't fully understand it, it's the word sounds like it means one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But don't always take it at face value. So minimalism mainly means, you know, I would say you could call it intentionalism and that would yeah suffice to give a definition and digitally that means oh you don't have to get rid of all digital stuff just you should intentionally consume or create digitally and that's and get rid of the stuff that doesn't mean anything right precisely and i think that he makes a good distinction there too where it's not on an app by app basis but a feature by feature basis exactly so i don't know you can say that you Use Twitter because you use it as a news source, but you shouldn't go and follow meme pages on Twitter because those aren't going to 
bring you yeah. utility. Yeah. That is, I don't know. I guess entertainment is utility, but really you should be getting off your phone for entertainment would be his argument. Yeah. And that's true. And, and another thing that was interesting is I made that Facebook messenger reference. So if by the time you finish, you found yourself in a situation where, yeah, you are friends with someone from the EU or basically, I don't know. I, for those that don't really know outside of the U S and North America in general, it's much more popular for people to text with WhatsApp and yeah. and Facebook messenger. Like that's just a thing Yeah, because, um, it's just, it, it is what it is. Um, not everyone has iMessage. So, I mean, honestly, it's kind of more smart. I don't know why we haven't thought of this in the first place um, in the U.S. Because every time somebody that doesn't have an iPhone hops into the group chat, it turns green for everybody. And it's like, this sucks. Like, but WhatsApp is is texting and stuff and calling and face video chatting um, with Wi-Fi and then data. It's just as iMessage is. And it's also available on the PC and Mac and like... I don't get why we don't use it in the U.S. more. Yeah, I agree. It's a far superior interface. Because it, it, it's the only all-encompassing, like, and in, including a Facebook Messenger, like, because of SMS versus, like, iMessage is like, oh, this big deal. But if you just all used WhatsApp, it doesn't. Like, the people in Europe just figured it out. I don't know why we didn't. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, he made this distinction of, of, you know, like, if you finish the digital detox and you find that, you know, you still technically need Facebook Mm-hmm. or want that utility of Facebook so you could text your EU friends like yeah sure like but just don't use Facebook Facebook yeah exactly it's laying out what are we going to use this for before even entering Facebook or whatever the app you have because it needs to be a very rigorous process otherwise you're just gonna if you find any little bit of utility in an app and that utility doesn't outweigh all the potential downsides it could have then he would say that you just need to toss out that app and find a different way to communicate to your friends you know so instead of facebook messenger it's whatsapp where you don't have the scrolling abilities exactly and you know what's awesome and i think he did this really well uh overall minimalism right kind of does a great job of of exemplifying and people have an easier job of understanding this item just because it brings you small utility overall will not be great to you but like someone can figure that out better with um so it's sad because i can't grab anything to showcase it because i don't yeah i just self-plugged myself as being good as a minimalist but uh basically say i had like some sort of toy figurine on my desk right i pick it up and i go okay this thing i'm holding my mouse this thing like (laughs) eh, like you can convince someone that the small figurine like doesn't bring them that much utility it's like does this really bring you happiness and the person can be like all right i'll get rid of it but when it comes to the like the addictive nature of of apps, just as you mentioned with the feature by feature basis, right? Um, people don't understand that it, like the way that they've managed to manipulate our minds in a sense is if, if someone views an app as having this nugget of utility, they will just keep it on their phone and then we'll get sucked into the, the 90% of the app, which gives them no utility, which in essence is a negative gain. Right, precisely. It's like you're doing a utilitarian analysis or, you know, some kind of calculation with a physical item. It's way easier to see the ends of its negative abilities because this toy figurine can only do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But it's the, it seems like the amount of negative consequences are endless, but yet unforeseeable with applications because you just, you don't know how dark you can 
yeah, how, how far you can get into some kind of rabbit hole or <laughs> rut of just bad content. Yeah, and you know, uh, as the king of um, being on YouTube too much and listening to things too much, like mm. there's a big, there's a big issue I've had. And like, this has been a, oh, since I've been in like the freshman year of high school of like this mild background YouTube noise addiction I have mm-hmm. where I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if I really have a crazy amount of videos on YouTube that bring me utility outside of like the, um, the self-help dudes. Right. And that's a, getting specifically to YouTube. If we're thinking about your next steps, if you're on this detox now, what would be your reintroduction to YouTube? Is this something that you're not going to re-download or is it going to be just subscribing to self-help YouTubers and ignoring those recommendations from Fandango or whatever? See that? That's an interesting question. In a perfect world, I would, uh, in a perfect world, I would manage to open up the YouTube app and press subscriptions Mm -hmm. and unsubscribe to anyone who's not in the realm. And then I would make it happen, you know, and that's what I should do. But will you? I don't, man, it's just, it's genuinely difficult. And that's 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 something I want to articulate here, guys. Like I'm not going to, I don't want to like ever come off as you need to do this and I can do it. So you should do it. But like, I, this is an example of me being very human right now. And I just, I don't know. And perhaps that's why Cal Newport is so humble compared to Tim Ferriss. Because it seems like Tim Ferriss, I mean, he has that entrepreneurial spirit where it's just like, go out and do it. Like, you just got to you gotta grind. But with Cal, he knows that this is not an, an easy task that we have to face with, you know, minimizing and just avoiding all of those distractions that come with the utility of these apps. So I... I it's interesting how he approaches it a little better because I think that he knows it's a big challenge. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. Um, he do you remember the chapter where they discussed um, basically how Steve Jobs had the keynote for the iPhone? Oh yeah, and he articulated really well. Hey guys, uh, did you notice that uh, if you watch the keynote for the iPhone, he doesn't bring up like Safari until like thirty minutes in, or like using data? Yeah, <laughs> the intention of the iPhone before the app store and all that stuff was to have an iPod that can use, that can call. Yeah, that was it. That was their intention as a company. And the way that that showcased is through the keynote, because why would they have marketed it in, in the reveal any other way if they had the intention to control our minds? And even Steve Jobs would be, but would wake up or come out of his grave right now and be like, what the, what is it? What? This is not my iPhone. Like, this is not what I meant. Uh-huh. I wonder if he would be surprised. Eh, that's fair. Although it wasn't the intention. Kinda, genius. Sometimes when you have that power, I wonder if you you see those potential consequences and think like, oh man, doomsday scenario, this could be what happens. Yeah, and you know, um, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a fan of Steve Jobs and what he was. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, I don't know, that's an interesting thought about it. But I thought that was good that that they broke that down and how even in the original intentionality of, of the creation of these devices, it's, it's easy enough to argue that these companies wouldn't have, um, wouldn't have expected this. And that means that even they probably, uh, or the, like the original creators would struggle with, with navigating, dealing with this, this new environment that we're in. And I've mentioned it to you before, uh, but like we didn't evolve recently 
mm-hmm. in case anyone forgot. Like we're still just <laughs> like the same homo sapiens that we are, right? And you know, with this new introduction in the past ten years to this constant stimulation of lack of solitude, it's kind of I mean, it's just straight up difficult to like detox in general because of how much we've had this just be a part of our lives, and especially for people like our age who. Um, who I think, what did he say? Something like anyone like 25 or under basically grew up with having, you know, constant stimulation. Yeah. No, I think it was the age 25. Yeah. And it's interesting. He mentions that multiple times, just saying that it's in our DNA to do things with our hands, to think while we're also doing some kind of handiwork. And that's, you know, he has, he says that when we remove technology, the big thing that we need to do is pick up, you know, better leisure activities because when you look at the expanse of things you could do once you remove technology, it's very tempting to just go right back to it. It's like filled so many of our gaps in our lives. It's our leisure. It's our social time talking with other people like on the phone, which is also not a natural thing that we've adapted to. We've grown up for, I mean, evolved for, you know, generations to talk in person and we need to make that the, you know, primary way that we're still communicating with people. So it's interesting how technology is going to move away from so many of our just genetic habits. Yeah, that's very true. And, um, you know, I was even thinking about this the other day. You ever notice how like now we just FaceTime instead of call, like in our friend group? Yeah, I think it's... You think it's better? It's a little bit better, but I think it's kind of fake better. It's like, oh... Thank you. I'm glad you think that. I was I was hoping to God you didn't like you weren't coming to the conclusion that it was like equal. Okay. No, never equal. I mean, it's just it's not the same, man. Even if it's FaceTime, you still can't pick up on the the, the tonality of someone's voice, the the little facial features, the the body movement. I mean, communication is so little to do with just the words you are saying, and it is so much more about the feng shui of the entire interaction that. FaceTime will never replace that, in my opinion. Very true. And I mean, with the way that, I mean, you and I both experienced school this year and so many others, I mean, that kind of, I mean, there was a lot of times where our roommates, uh, specifically one of our roommates, kind of had a rough time with, um, I don't know, I think hair just got in my mouth, uh, with um, (laughs) his classes being online because the professor and him were just not in the same sort of like in-person wavelength. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just tough to... uh, approach someone like if you haven't seen someone in person you have no idea like what their body language is like that day like can you approach them after class and ask them a question or can you just tell that they're not in an a approachable mood this is something you can't tell the question i had for you was this as we're moving through the steps of your detox i think it's a good way to move through this book here Mm -hmm. so we're on the detox there are certain apps let's say youtube that you're probably going to re-download but maybe be more intentional about through your detox, what's an app that you don't think is going to re-enter your, your phone screen? And how are you going to replace it in an effective way? Huh. You know, I've thought about this a lot. Um, I think LinkedIn and um, Facebook got to go. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, too, because I, I post on both of those, you know, when every video comes out. And I've been thinking about it. That's my utility. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can find a way to like automate the posts to go up on there, 
or pay a little bit now that income's possible for the for the channel. I think life utility wise, it might be like better to to not have to deal with that. I mean, if I had to put a number on it, I mean, I could look at my phone or whatever, but where it's being used to record. Uh, like within a month, if I had to guess random LinkedIn scrolling, which is not large, by the way, guys, like I, don't, I don't really do it much, but it happens. Like any app you have, it just happens. Mm-hmm. Facebook, it just happens. Um, I think I would say it's, you know, a few hours a month. But then I think about that. It's like, man, like I could get those hours back. That'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Because you can spend those times, you know, talking with people in person or, you know, reaching out to a company over call or email. Or just, yeah, that or working more, like what, whatever it is, like something just better. Right. I was thinking of a direct replacement yeah, for LinkedIn because no, that's, that's very shocking yeah. that you said that's something you want to cut out. But I mean, you secured a job without doing much on LinkedIn. Yeah. I don't really care. Right. And I, I think I need to make this clear to like my future employer, like. Yeah, too bad, so sad, but like outside of me maybe making a plan of weekly checking our page and then liking all of, because apparently like in the company, like everyone just likes the company's uh, LinkedIn posts. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want to be like too bad, so sad because I don't want to be the black sheep or whatever, but like I kind of don't mind because I, the whole minimalist thing for me is like what's made me kind of make my overall life happiness and success a little bit better recently. So I feel like they'd understand if I articulated that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I've had a similar experience with, um, I'm fairly involved in campus ministry and mm-hmm. they have really tried to rev up their social media outreach because numbers are not always the highest with getting people to, you know, get involved in some kind of way on campus. And um, they ask people in my position to interact with the social media page often. And I just feel so bad because they, I feel like they think I'm ghosting them, but I just don't. You're not. I don't keep Instagram downloaded. If I check it, it is, I do a once a semester post to let everyone know what has happened in the past semester. And then I usually just delete it shortly after that. If I need to Instagram DM someone, I usually get on my PC, but I don't really like getting on my PC to check those pages just because I know it's going to turn into some kind of large excursion of checking things that don't need to get checked but I, it's just tough to navigate that because we live in such a digital world it seems like we almost need to be bold as tim ferris here and just say like i'll be on instagram at this time to this time on this day it's a one hour thing i do like that i i really like that and that's what i've been thinking about with the way with you asked me the youtube question and and i kind of i don't know why i blinked on this answer but i actually had an idea um mm-hmm. what if i sat down once a week uh, or twice a week and had like a 30 to an hour minute session where, you know, I don't consume content intentionally outside of that. Cause I'm like kind of workaholic So I'm always like minorly working. Yeah. Uh, but recently when we've been like sitting down and having longer dinners and whatever, um, it's been good. And then like, I watched some, some tea, like a, a movie or a TV show and it's been nice. And then I read at night now, I really want to set up an hour uh, or two a week where I intentionally just watch the people I like on YouTube. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the same can be done with, you know, Instagram, Twitter, what have you, just like actually checking in on some of these things just because we like to throw Instagram or Facebook as some kind of punching bag where it really doesn't do much. Like you said earlier, there's still 10% value there. You know, real statistical number you threw out there. Oh, <laughs> that, was, that was from the book. Is that what he said? He said 90 10 versus 10. Oh, he said that it was what 10% utility versus 90 something to that effect. I mean, not, there, 90 and 10% were used 
and I don't know if I did the exact thing right, but okay. Yeah. I think that was a so it was a hypothetical thing yeah. he threw out that then you threw out. Okay, exactly. Yep. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, there's still ten percent <laughs> utility here. So uh, I think in a lot of ways it is. In Cal Newport's philosophy, I think that he would say you need to throw that out. But I think maybe this is getting into a weakness of the book, in my opinion, is that I would push back on that and say that we probably could still get into that 10% if there's no other way to get to there. If there's no other way for me to keep in touch with those, I mean, what's the number? He said like 150 people are the like maximum amount that you can realistically stay connected with. Hmm. If I can't call 150 people... And it seems like an effective way for me to just keep up with those people. If I see what their posts are or what their stories are once a week, then I would push back and say that that's something where I would still keep that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I am a little bit skeptical about this by the way, because I, and, and this is like maybe just a personal trait I have. I don't keep up with people often. Um, I talked about with this with you last night, I think, but like, uh, I've had Peter Bumble in my life that I'm extremely close to when like we're in proximity right and then like i i assume that we're going to be good and then i just don't reach out and then like people change constantly so i I needed to realize at some point that you should keep reaching out dimitri um they would like that they would prefer that but it it also makes me think you know that number 150 was thrown out Mm -hmm. okay um kind of a hot take maybe i don't honestly think the number should be over 20 i don't think it's when you say 150, I think this is including family. This is including like acquaintances that you maybe uh, were good friends with before, but no longer are. I think if you got down to 20, you're probably looking at authentic friends plus like 15 more. Plus immediate family. And yeah. yeah. And that's, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people worry about the quantity over quality thing, you know, and this is another like minimalism thing, but I think I personally believe that my theory or my 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 feeling about you know I can just kind of go back and be in touch with them when I see them again should be applied to everyone but those twenty. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're saying that with anyone else, you should be able to pick it up where you left off, or only those twenty. With with those twenty, I should reach out and be do a great job of being a good friend and family member, but outside of those really important people to me, like I don't think it's, it's wrong to say, be a little selfish with your time. And, and then like those extra people, like just try to, when you meet up again, like stay in touch, like in that regard, like, cause I don't, I just don't feel like that many people in your life really have this magnificent, huge impact. And maybe that's just like my life experience, but I don't know. I think it's different for everyone. I don't think my number is 150 either, but I don't think it's 20. I think it's okay somewhere in between there but definitely under 100 and i think that it's just so interesting how like if you go on a car ride and you say that you're like i feel like everyone on car rides now is always like oh let me like use this opportunity to catch up calling everyone Hmm. you know why it's because it's the only time where we cannot be on social media scrolling through our phones wasting our time because you're gonna get a uh, car sick well you're gonna crash Oh, I thought you meant like someone in the passenger sheet, but I don't know why I assume that because you didn't even say that. <laughs> yeah, so like if you're driving on a car ride, I just feel like uh-huh. it, it is a trend that everyone always calls people to catch up with them. Fair. Because you literally have nothing else to do. But it's yeah. just interesting how this phenomenon has occurred where we're telling ourselves we're more connected than ever. And yet 
like you say, and I share this struggle is that I have a hard time keeping in touch with the people who really matter because I waste time looking at just ridiculous stuff from people that I don't really care about. Yeah. And, and that's even going back to like the whole like dad example from the, from the book, like that dad ended up changing the, what he was doing and spending more time with his kids and building some habits that made them feel clim feel close to them. And mm-hmm. then they were very appreciative of like, I think he had, he wrote them a handwritten letter or drawing. No, he made it every day, every day he had a drawing for his first child when he went, she went to school mm-hmm. and the next two kids were like, yay, dad's going to do that for me when I go to school. And then they had that like nice connection. Cause he stopped wasting his time on stuff that didn't make him happy. Exactly. And I think that's where two of the three big things you need to do with your time when you remove technology intersect because I think that is just as important to remove the technology as Kellen O'Port says as it is to fill the void so it's for me solitude in just some kind of way you know reading or going on walks by yourself taking time to think and decompress I think it's connecting with people in meaningful ways whether it be in person or if you can't over a call Mm -hmm. and three it's finding some kind of analog habit or hobby for you to pick up whether it be drawing a little note for your kid, which is so damn cute. Yeah. Or building a back porch. <laughs> building a back porch by Cal Newport. That is sad for me so much. And uh, it's, it it's, just fits so well in my mind, man. Dude, I, I can imagine him like with a checkered shirt, just like out in the back, just like, hey guys, what's up? Um, food will be on, or uh, dinner will be on in 20. I'm just finishing up the back porch. Yeah, exactly. I can imagine this. Um, what was I going to say? I think... It's interesting that you mentioned like the the habit building, right? With the analog, Um, an important thing, and I'm not sure if this is a James Clear thing or if this is just a general like habit building practice, but you know, you get rid of a a negative. The only way you can get rid of a negative habit is by replacing it with a good habit or a different habit. It doesn't like technically it doesn't have to be good. Um, It's just, you should do it with a good one. Like you can replace a bad habit with another bad habit. That's how your body, your, your mind would work. Right. Exactly. It was kind of like the, I think this is near the end of the book where he's talking about slow media versus fast media yeah. and making an analogy between fast food and like slow food, which I is a ridiculous term I've never heard, but I guess regular food. <laughs> and he's saying that the American approach is just to aggressively eliminate fast food. Everyone always mm-hmm. says, I'm going on a diet, I'm cutting out sweets, I'm doing this. But how often is it I'm going on a diet, I'm eating lots of greens, I'm getting passionate about a salad? It's never that. We never make it a love of the good food. It's always a hate of the bad food. But it is so much more important to, you know, create creative solutions and, you know, passionate things that we can spend our time doing rather than just saying that, oh, I have to cut out Instagram. I have to cut out this or that media. You know, you want to do it to where you don't even, it. the new solution is just so fulfilling to you that you just don't want to go back. Yeah, and you know, um, this is a good reference. Um, now that I can like acknowledge it, um, uh, since I'm done with track, uh, how many times have you ever started seen me pre being done with my career say no for to to have a beer? Oh yeah, a million times, a million times, and that's because <laughs> I like the process of being like, no, nah, like I, I'm good, thanks. Like I don't want it, and I want to not have it because I want my recovery to be better and I also would like a nice lemonade thank you right you just found so much fulfillment in you know the process of running and even recovering relaxing and enjoying a lemonade so much more than that other tempting thing that 
you know, it's not just you telling yourself, oh, like, I can't have it. I can't have it. Like, that's that's unfortunate. You just don't even want it. It's, no. It doesn't phase you. No, because I, I, I like had this passion about um, and at first it was channeled a little bit negatively. I remember early on in college, I was like, oh, it's so bad for you. Like, you guys, I don't know why you guys are doing that. But like, then it turned into like, no, I don't want it. It's whatever for you. I don't care. Like, right. I'm, I'm just good. Like, I, I kind of like watching. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it is kind of interesting to just be <laughs> just around fly on the wall. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what that is. Like you got to find, and I think the intentional living thing just comes back again with this and minimalism. It's like, I intentionally was good with, with not consuming it. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's all it is, man. Yeah. And, um, I guess speaking of the negatives of, of this book, uh, speaking of negatives in general, you know, I did look up some other people's thoughts on this, and this is a very good acknowledgement uh, that every dang example was ma- masculine. Yeah, I kind of said that at the beginning, but yeah, everything is just so masculine-driven. Honestly, I, I just can't even think of, I mean, I don't know. I don't think, you know, some kind of habit or, you know, hobby has to be masculine or feminine. It can be more fluid than that. Yeah. A woman can go and make a nice deck. I have no doubt. Yeah. A guy can go knit or crochet what have you yeah but he never gives any kind of <laughs> traditionally female yeah. example it's it, that was kind of interesting yeah and then um even as historical figures he gave well he did i feel like there was one or maybe one or two female ones maybe in there mm-hmm. it was like man it was it was mainly guys you know i mean nietzsche thoreau i will say like i like thoreau um i feel like he fits minimalism very very well but i'm starting to get annoyed with how much he's referenced he gets referenced a lot in the minimalism community. Honestly, I think we need you need to read Walden and give it a book. I should, I guess. Like maybe we should do that. Like it's it's just Thoreau is like their only. I mean, I guess what well, Nietzsche was brought up, which good for you, <laughs> Nietzsche, the Nietzsche fanboy of the podcast. But like the the thing was, I was just like, really, really more more Walden references and Thoreau. I'm like, you guys get anything else or what? Yeah, it is interesting how much they brought up Thoreau. I mean, he, I mean, he fits well with the solitude. He fits well with. I mean, the the old kind of minimalism where, I mean, there's that famous quote where, like, I went into the woods to see, like, if I was really living life before I died. And there's another part where it says that I wanted to put life into the corner and see if it was mean and if it was mean to suck all the marrow out of that or if it was sublime, like, love it for its most subliminal nature. Mm-hmm. So in a similar way, it's interesting how Newport is saying that we need to you know just minimize our lives digitally to the bare bare minimum that we can make it and once we find that creative and effective solution where we're still a a functioning member of society that uses technology but very intentionally and minimally then we see how good it is yeah very true um what was the name of that greek philosophy where like they would say less is more, but also have a charcuterie word. Oh, Epicureanism. I am surprised that throughout a lot of my minimalism, like research and, and content consumption, that that's not mentioned as much as things like Thoreau. Yeah, I think with, um, the only thing with Epicureanism is that actually I do think they would fail with social media nowadays because the whole thing is we're optimizing long-term pleasure and minimizing short-term 
and long-term pain. Mm. But there's always that little caveat where if pleasure comes in the short term my way without me really doing anything, like if I just get my seat upgraded from you know economy to first class, I'm going to oh, take it. Yeah, because I didn't have to do anything, and I'm used to the bare minimum. But yeah, with social media, it's, it's free. Yeah. You just you're just a passive vessel, and these terrible things are coming your way. They're perceivably positive, but. I yeah, I could see in a Epicurean sense, like a scrolling through, like a binge scroll through TikTok would be viewed as the right thing. Right. I mean, they, you could argue that entering this app is going to bring you long-term pleasure because they have a big focus on friends, not necessarily significant others, but someone who mm. can, you know, you could crash on their couch if your house burnt down. It's yeah. the example I always think of. You want that security net. and. The Epicureans could easily argue for entering a social media app to keep a good connection there. And along the way, you know, like these little pleasures are just coming to them with really just being in the app. They didn't really do anything to get it, but they don't yeah. even realize the the immeasurable amount of pain that can't be calculated, but is existent in these social media apps. Yeah. And like, I don't know, a random example. I thought that's kind of funny, um, like with the whole church charity board thing i don't know if, if they said yes to that every time like gout's knocking on their door who gout who it's not a person it's it's the problem that happens when you have too much meat and cheese like wouldn't what know. what the what huh i wouldn't know yeah i know you wouldn't know that's fair you ever heard of gout no really no, i don't think i've heard of gout. Uh, we'll talk about it later but like i don't know if it's exactly just having too much meat and cheese but that's an example like <laughs> um North Korea's guys got gout. The, oh, gotcha. Yeah, like just like the really big gut scenario and you just like <laughs> have pains and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know actually all the symptoms. I have an uncle I think that has it. I'm not sure. Maybe. But maybe you're saying. Yeah, but like, you know, like the negative effects of, of just only eating that. Right, of just the negative effects of something passively just coming your way that you say is like, a uh, pleasure. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't want to say, by the way, earlier, I mentioned like, oh, what the heck is with all this throw? So before we get into like the book writing, I can't fault Cal for bringing up something that other people brought up, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was a minimalism community gripe. <laughs> like, can we find someone besides Thoreau, please? He's just so good, man. I don't have a problem with him being good. I'm just saying, is there another example? Because if you're just basing it off of one philosopher, you can't act like, I, I mean, I think following a school of thought philosophy wise is is respectable however i will also say like if you only have one primary source like i hear you that's why i think he brought up nietzsche because in a lot of ways nietzsche criticizes the ascetic life he doesn't mm. think that you know being abstinent or you know living in solitude is good if you're doing it for religion or any other you know kind of purpose that's thrown on to you and you just become a member of the herd. You got to do it for you. Exactly. And that's what Nietzsche did. He worked, you know, all day, every day, reading and writing for himself, you know, going on long walks thinking. So I think there's actually a lot of philosophers that you could pull out and say that they, I don't know, lived this kind of life very minimally. I mean, you want to look at Immanuel Kant. He never left his town his entire life. He basically lived in the same little area, but yeah, he ended up being yep. one of the most iconic philosophers of all time so it's interesting that he only brings up these two examples maybe only because Thoreau kind of you know gets into the details of the aesthetic life that it's kind mm, of 
yeah. seemingly required for to be a good philosopher. I mean, if you go through time, it seems like they're all kind of following that same path. But I think only him and Nietzsche were the ones that really dig into those details. So maybe that's why. I mean, it's dude, it's even found in religion everywhere. Like, um, um, like Moses going to the top of the, going to the top to get the commandments down. Like that dude was there for a minute. Yeah. That's, that's the word on the street. He was up there for a while. <laughs> yeah. So they really, <laughs> they could pull out a, a whole lot of examples. It is kind of unoriginal at this point to not just pull out any example of someone in solitude and the profundity of that moment being alone. Yeah. I'm trying to think there's gotta be something more more recent where I, I know actually there are some, some celebrities who surprisingly enough have gotten brought up and like have been found to be in a in sort of solitude scenario. I mean, even just the whole like, I don't know, jobs and um, Wozniak locked themselves in a garage and like, you know, made the Apple II or whatever. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, something like that happens pretty often. Yeah. But then you wonder if those people, eh, I don't know, maybe they bring them up because they're dead and they don't know if they described a minimalism or not. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. Um, Overall thoughts, you think, uh, you can, give me a number out of 10. Ooh, what did we give? Um, I think it was like an eight. Week? An eight? Man. It was like there's seven and a half or an eight, if I recall. I feel like this is pretty similar. I feel like this is probably a six or a seven in my book. Really? It took me way longer to get through it, so I will say that. Dang, just, you know what? You are kind of right on that. I just think that I enjoyed it a lot, but it did take me time. I think that he kind of ran over the same points a lot which is good to always re-emphasize things in such a in such tricky waters but i don't know there's this i don't know it, with with tim ferris and the four-hour work week it's just it's so new like these aren't even things that i like fathomed you know like going out and starting oh, yeah. a side hustle and automating everything it's just like yeah for you it's it's very new yeah it was so new but i think with digital minimalism it's it's a good wake up call and a lot of people probably need it, but these aren't things that we didn't know in a lot of sense. I mean, he brings a lot Very of research fair. in, which is super fruitful and more convincing than, you know, just my intuitions about it. But everyone kind of knows that social media is not great. Yeah. I think, you know, what's something I guess to make transparency a little better here. One, you mentioned you don't have Instagram on your phone. You are mm-hmm. the kind of person that only spends like two hours a day on your phone. Yeah. You're in like the you're in like the bottom five percent of screen time, like in 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 our demographic at least, if not like anyone below the age of fifty. Sure. So like for you, I could see how this would be difficult mm-hmm. to get through because you're like, yeah, I know, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, not saying it, you're perfect, but like honestly, dude, you only you showed me your screen time once, and I went, what, what? It's pretty low. I mean, I don't <laughs> think you. I, what did you, you have your phone? Pull, it's right to your left. Grab it. Right. I want to see this. I, wanna, I, wanna, for, I will say I went for, on a trip and my navigation's that's kind of my navigation. Uh, 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 you can look at last week. Oh, that would be last. No, this week. Just look at this oh, week's average. Yeah, me not knowing how to find the screen time. Oh, okay, I'm all, there it is. Almost swore in Greek on the podcast. That was funny. Come on, come on. Me not knowing how to find the screen time still. You want oh me wait, to, here we go. You, I was gonna say, you want me to do? No, I got it. No, I know you got it. Two fifty one. That was a big week average yeah dude i don't think he gets how low that is in comparison to most people <laughs> that's pretty low yeah and I, I guess that one of my favorite things is that i didn't think about the detox and then doing that because i kind of take his process in the inversion like with snapchat it seems like something i haven't been able to get away from but having read this book 
I have <laughs> I have deleted a lot of friends off Snapchat just because oh, I yeah. am so addicted to the Snapchat stories. And I've just realized how many people I have on Snapchat that I do not care to keep in touch with and I just haven't kept in touch with. Yeah, I did that a while back. So I agree with you on this. This I I honestly realize like going through Snapchat sometimes I'm like, who are these people? Yeah. I, so, I, who knew? I don't even remember. Like maybe I'm being critical because like even if I think that I have it more figured out than other people and these are intuitions for me, I'm still not doing it in the most effective way. I really should just delete Snapchat, delete all my social media, give myself a good detox to, you know, breathe and think it out like you are right now. Mm, and yeah. then, you know, build up from there. I'm kind of breaking down in the opposite way. You know, I have a lot and I'm trying to narrow it. Very true. Um, and then I guess the other, by the way, transparent thing is we were supposed to do this episode four weeks ago or three weeks ago. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's okay. kind of a meta analysis. It took us both a long time to get through this. And, and it, it was, was only seven hours of audiobook. Yeah, I think the four hour work week was longer. It was like eight and a half, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I would agree with your... I would... Uh, unfortunately, Cal, as much as I feel like like some part of me wants this book to be better <laughs> than the four hour work week because your tonality was better. Unfortunately, I think I will have to give it a six and a half. I just feel like a lot more good information he definitely did more of his homework but i don't know I, something about the tip four work he did make me read it quicker which i feel like should be a a driving force in understanding why you think a book is better or not however the one caveat we'll make is that was our first book review is there any novelty there that we're missing mm, that's possible there's definitely something there that could be missing i mean that was one of my first audiobooks ever I had a very pleasant experience with that, that just in too. general. Second, my, that was my like, second or third one. That's a good point. Uh, maybe maybe the four-hour work week is too high. Highly rated. We could always... Okay, if you had to re-score the four-hour work week, because I'm going to type this out afterwards, so we'd have an actual point tally and like ranking system. I'll have to think it through, but maybe like a... I might not get a point. From like an eight to a seven. I'm shocked that you said that we gave it an eight. I think we give it like a seven or an eight. Yeah, I don't think it was. I I, I think we were kind of riding high on how on its entertainment value. It was very entertaining. It's just hysterically hilarious how brash he is. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to talk about Gary Vee with that. By the way, um, <laughs> yeah, like, all right, yeah, I I I'd, I'd agree with you. And 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 since it took so long, I still I would say six six and a half for Cal. Yeah, I'm giving it a solid six. Okay. More anecdotal evidence, like you said. More examples of people in solitude or people doing the handiwork. I feel like he used examples, but these would be like his friends. It's, it's like, who is this person that you're talking Honestly, about? Honestly, like, the more I think about it, I think that dad example was someone he knew. Yeah, and it's like, that's that's fine. that This is like a dad, but that's it not going to grab an audience no. the way that a you know, more prominent example would. If, if you would like change that person with like Aaron Rodgers or something. Exactly. You'd be like, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers likes digital minimalism. That's so cool. Yeah. He could have gone a little more Malcolm Gladwell with it, you know? That's facts. Um, so I'm going to give it yeah, six and a half. You're going to give it a six. We're going to go back to seven on Tim Ferriss. So this is worse. This is worse, shockingly, but true. I, I just felt like my heart wants it to be better. However, that's just the overarching like concept. Yeah. The concept's better. Yeah, absolutely. Although I will admit, we were romanticizing over the possibility of living a Tim Ferriss or like Ali Abdul or Thomas Frank-esque life before this recording. Yeah. I mean, 
Tomorrow Work Week is a good book, man. Uh, sigh. It's fun to dream, but I don't know. With this, it seems more like just a necessity. Yeah, this is just helping you out. Like this is the other one's more like can we can we make our lives? I just say this is more like can we make our lives better, and the other one's like can we make our lives dope? Yeah, can we make fast action jet skis and explosions? <laughs> yeah, it's like do you want to walk up, watch a uh, what's it called a um, a Michael Bay movie? Were you trying <laughs> to watch like a, um, a the, the minimalism documentary the minimalism for the fourth time for the fourth time? <laughs> Hey, by the way, still love you guys, Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus, but please, if you make another minimalism documentary, look up another different content, <laughs> please. <laughs> and with Dimitri talking to the uh, the founders of minimalism again, do you have any final thoughts? Um, yeah, you guys are great. No, um, I thought, you know, good book. I I am excited to to go through Atomic Habits next, um, and then I think once we get deep work in by Cal Newport after that, I'll I'll give you the reins and you can pick like three in a row. Oh yeah, I'm thinking how to be a stoic. Walden. Walden's good, yeah. I don't think of another one. I'll have to continue learning about this this realm of minimalism and self help and see what uh see what gets what else gets talked about a lot yeah and one last thing by the way it's just funny um so if i get uh it'd be nice by the way if i get spot i gotta talk to audible try to get an audio an audible subscription or it'd be fun to get sponsored so then we can like not <laughs> like you know listen the way we're listening currently i feel like that'd make it easier yeah the garbage youtube audio it sounds <laughs> like a robot yeah maybe that's honestly the reader was a lot better in the last one that's a good point too. Mm. Maybe subliminally, it was just like, "Wow." I get to listen to a robot versus a dude. I'd rather listen to the dude. Yeah, if you're gonna listen to digital minimalism with the free audiobook on YouTube, Bafsa book is Facebook. And asterisk, 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 <laughs> asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> that was so annoying. That was so annoying. <laughs> I want to pick up the book and know what, like, is, is that like a cutoff look line? Like, you know what? I think three asterisks may make um, something italicized, like encoding. I'm, I'm not positive, <laughs> but like, it's possible, you know, like who, I, no one surrounds things with asterisks like that. If he did that in the book, like, I'm kind of blaming you for the audiobook sounding like this. In my head, I just imagine <laughs> like, not three asterisks, but him just like writing out asterisks, asterisks, asterisks. <laughs> Uh man that was rough that was rough i guess my last thing by the way was it's been nice um actually like listening to these things and these books because i am the, i was the king of of being like oh that's a good book mm-hmm. like this is because i'm based on concepts that like i had heard from like 30 minute synopsis or like a podcast listen or whatever yeah so now I can like actually say the four hour work week, how would I think about it? I can actually say digital minimalism, what I think about it and not be like, oh, that's a good, like Atomic Habits, that's a dope book. And right. I've never read it. I just know like a lot of the main po- talking points because it's one of the more regurgitated and retalked about like recent productivity books. Yeah, it's, it's good to actually get into the weeds and, you know, know the content through and through. Like imagine someone just going around being like, oh, Harry Potter, that's a dope series. And you've only watched like the Fandango clips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the Green Book. That's that's a dope movie. I've literally only watched the Fandango clips. It's just me. That's kind of sad, but that's how I am about things. Oh, it's terrible. That, that, that's not just you. I think a lot of people just watch people who have regurgitated summaries for them. I mean, Spark Notes, man. 
Oh man, kids did do that all through high school. I don't feel it's bad. Okay. Because I was the one dude who read Frankenstein in high school in my class. I know that for a fact. Like me and one other like girls who was girl who was like the salutatorian, like mm-hmm. actually read Frankenstein and everyone else spark noted it. I was like, I know you guys. I, I know you guys did this. I know you didn't. I, I know didn't you didn't. No, I know you didn't read it. It's just me. It's, <laughs> I feel special. Thank you. I heard that book's a banger. Dude, actually read Frankenstein. Like, I need to. Shelly? What, what is it? Shelly Ann something? Or some, something Shelly. I'm for, I don't know why I'm blanking on her name. Anyways, great book. Old. Awesome. Damn. Actually, I can say that with confidence because I read it. There you go. Um, Final thoughts for you before we end it? I think I'm good. I think that it's a lot of intuit, intuitive knowledge, but he really does give you a nice process if you want to go through his detox and then build up. He does it nicely, chronologically. The anecdotal evidence are kind of weird that he just like asks his neighbor about it. (laughs) There's a lot of good information. There's a lot of good stats. I mean, he's got a PhD. He's in academia. So he's he's a knowledgeable dude with a lot of Mm -hmm. good nuggets of information. So I enjoyed it. It's just the the pop factor just wasn't popping. And that's okay. Because you know what? If we ever need someone to build a porch, we got someone. We got them. We got someone in our backyard. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rise Productive Podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye.